Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Why did this weekend's college basketball games remind me of next year's Motley Crue, Def Leppard, and Poison concert? Can't wait for that one. Fellow glam metal fans rejoicing. How many ACC teams look like legit NCAA title contenders as we speak? In my eyes, the answer to that is two, Duke and Louisville. How many ACC teams look like legitimate NCAA tournament teams? At least six, and yes, that number will grow. The fun part for us, as we welcome more of your questions, comments, complaints, and phone calls, fun part for us is that that six includes three in the triangle. Duke and UNC and NC State. Of course, Louisville is really good. UVA is good again. I would add Florida State to that list. And I'm not blind to the strong starts at Pitt or Virginia Tech or even elsewhere. But at least two title contenders in the ACC, at least six NCAA tournament teams in the ACC, and then how many state of North Carolina teams look like squads that maybe could make a run at their own conference title, which of course would also mean an automatic bid to the NCAA tournament. Duke fits that description, whether as an ACC champion or an at-large team, of course. I'll go with... UNC Greensboro, Wes Miller and the Spartans are one of the best teams in the Southern Conference. Davidson hasn't looked great yet, but Bob McKillop's always leading good teams, and they're perhaps a contender in the Atlantic 10. And then don't forget, in the Big South and the MEAC, we always have contenders in our state. Maybe it's Gardner-Webb, maybe it's the Campbell Camels, maybe it's UNC Asheville in the Big South, in the MEAC, NC Central, and North Carolina A&T are two of the contenders. Remember, many of these leagues, by the way, have not even started conference play. The ACC teams have played a couple of those games. I will get to why did this weekend's college basketball games remind me of Motley Crue, Def Leppard, and Poison hitting the tour trail this coming year. As we remind you, we have lines open, and Luke Hancock joins us live in 30 minutes, former Louisville sharpshooter and national champion, now with ESPN and the ACC Network as a college basketball analyst. There are not as many games this week, but just one example, Texas Tech, Final Four team last year, goes head-to-head -head against Louisville tonight on national TV. Remember, a lot of these schools are in exams, and that's why you're not going to see nearly as many matchups this week as you will see even this coming weekend or throughout the rest of the holidays. More on that with Luke Hancock when he joins us in 30 minutes. Your phone calls on NC State versus the NCAA, the NFL, and the latest Patriots allegation. College football is the four-team playoff, the best way to decide an FBS national champion more of you say yes or more of you say no than yes although everybody seems to agree that they got the right four teams this year 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket in for your question or a comment well darren i don't know if you ever have glam metal songs that bounce into your head you're more of a oh i don't even want to describe you how would you describe punk yourself rock. yeah I, I would lean punk toward rock. punk rock in most in most genres I'm but not, i'm you know i'm well versed in a lot of a i'm lot not of sure i'm proud of my glam metal background i'm, I'm more <laughs> proud like acdc would not be glam metal they avoid the makeup i mean angus angus young is running around in a schoolboy uniform so take that for what it's yeah, worth the outfits glam it up a little bit but nobody in the history of music has done the three chord guitar better than acdc and and when it comes to sports there may not be many artists whose songs you hear more often think thunderstruck and Back in Black and Shook Me All Night Long, trying to get the people all charged up, ACDC charged up. Get it there and see how that works with the energetic guitar. 
I am more proud of the ACDC, and of course, I am that extremely weird animal that also includes Jimmy Buffett among my favorites. Do you know anybody else that would list both ACDC and Jimmy Buffett as among their all-time favorites? A weird combination for sure. I'm not sure what that means about me, but I've always tried to share such things with the audience. I thought about Motley Crue, Def Leppard, and Poison. Don't hate me just because that was part of the music I was raised on in the 1980s. Not so much by mom and dad, but uh, some of the guys that are my best friends to this day introduced me to some of those bands. And for whatever reason, Darren, a younger, more impressionable version of me actually thought that Poison was really good music. I'm not sure that I would say that through my <laughs> eyes here in 2019. I would defend the other two more easily than I would defend Poison. For sure. But they are touring together this coming year after, in one case, Motley Crue had actually put into legalese, we will never tour again. So, you know, all contracts are made to be broken. Motley Crue's 2020 tour, a living, breathing example of that. They did sign that legal document. They are touring anyway, and they are doing so with, I guess, kindred spirits, Def Leppard, and Poison. So as I watched Duke beat Virginia Tech, as I also watched Carolina fall to UVA, as I watched NC State travel to Winston-Salem, we all know the Wolfpack is better than the Demon Deacons again this year, but the Joel has been a house of horrors for NC State basketball a lot in my three decades of covering such things. So it was impressive to me that the Wolfpack won convincingly in Winston-Salem, and really the other games ended up being fairly convincing as well. UVA dominated Carolina in a low-scoring game up in Charlottesville. Duke went to a more dangerous-than-expected Virginia Tech team, and after it was close for a long time, Mike Young's doing a great job with the Hokies, the Devils did eventually run away with a double-digit victory. And similarly, after it was close for a while, Wake Forest did take care – I mean, uh, NC State did take care of Wake Forest – in Winston-Salem. Would you be able to name a lot of different songs from each of those three artists, Darren, or are you limited to your friendship with me when it comes to Motley Crue, Poison, and Def Leppard? Maybe not necessarily what I've, only what I've learned from you, but, uh, I mean, like two or three songs apiece I, I would associate. All right, that's not bad. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you a passing grade for that. Do you know why fundamentally UVA got the win and UNC did not? Because Poison knows, Darren. Poison knows why the Cavaliers beat the Tar Heels. Because Tony Bennett knows that with Ty Jerome off to the NBA and Kyle Guy off to the NBA and DeAndre Hunter off to the NBA lottery, he doesn't have nearly the offensive firepower that the Wahoos had on their way to last year's NCAA title. Roy Williams similarly knows that with Luke May and fellow senior Cam Johnson and fellow senior Kenny Williams, but also the one-and-done guys, Kobe White, now strutting his stuff with the Chicago Bulls, Nasir Little also off to the NBA. Wouldn't you say that both Tony Bennett and Roy Williams lack offensive firepower compared to what they had last year? There's no doubt about it. They're both struggling to find points. As that matchup on Saturday, was it? Uh, exemplified final score UVA 56 UNC 47 do you know the fundamental difference between Tony Bennett's task and Roy Williams task in Chapel Hill do you know why the Wahoos won and the Tar Heels lost because the Cavs had something to believe in there knowing 
that it was going to take piece by piece the offensive skill players to find their game to come together. Tony Bennett had what? He had the pack line defense. The Cavaliers went into that game at John Paul Jones Arena knowing that they had what, Darren? They had something to believe in. They didn't get around to the chorus just yet. We you, started with the chorus. I thought I was going to time it right, but that's, that's all right. The Tar Heels fundamentally don't have something to believe in. They have a super talented freshman point guard in Cole Anthony who hasn't quite figured out how to maximize the talents of his teammates yet. They have a star young center in Armando Baycott who can be part of the solution in the longer run. They have a reliable two-way veteran forward in Garrison Brooks. They have a couple of transfers that haven't been all that great yet, and they need to get better in the longer run. What do the Tar Heels not have, though? What do the Tar Heels not have right now? They don't, have, they don't have something to believe in, Darren. Poison knows why UVA won and why UNC lost. The Cavaliers had something to believe in. Their defense, when all else goes wrong, do you know who is – there are 353 teams in Division I college basketball. Do you know who's 353rd in tempo? UVA. Do you know who's number one in defensive efficiency? UVA. Do you know what that means? The Cavaliers, when they need it, Darren, even while rebuilding offensively, they have something to believe in. That's exactly right. UVA 56, UNC 47. Roy Williams says he's trying to find the right buttons to push. He clearly has not. The Tar Heels start every game not knowing what their one thing is. The Cavaliers start every game knowing what their one thing is. And UVA, despite all those offensive headaches, and man, do they have a long way to go to become, again, a national contender. They're 8-1 anyway. The Tar Heels, lacking that foundation, that poison style, something to believe in foundation, the Tar Heels are only 6-3, and three, annihilated by Ohio State, in part because they couldn't score enough buckets to keep up with the Buckeyes, annihilated, really, a, what, 9- or 10-point victory by UVA. When the Wahoos play, a 9- or 10-point win kind of translates the way their tempo goes to something more like 18 to 20 points that you might be used to seeing in other games. 1-800-849-2761. Would you believe, Darren, and you're a basketball guy, how many coaches in America would go on the road against a re-energized Virginia Tech team, Mike Young, helped the Hokies, who were picked to finish near the bottom of the ACC, beat preseason number one Michigan State out in Maui. So it's a way more dangerous road trip than you would have thought perhaps back in August as we were making our preseason predictions. We all knew Duke would be really good. We thought Virginia Tech would not be very good. They're better than we thought. Meanwhile, Coach K has a lot of freshmen again. It is not easy for a freshman to experience their first ACC road environment. Now, this Duke team got a little taste of a hostile crowd. Remember, they played on national TV in the ACC Big Ten Challenge at Michigan State. That was not a neutral site. That was not at Cameron. That was at the Breslin Center on Draymond Green night. I'm sure they got an earful. Even in the pregame, they were talking about how Vernon Carey Jr., 
who picked Duke over, among others, UNC and Michigan State. Vernon Carey Jr. apparently was being harassed verbally by the Michigan State crowd. And, of course, Duke tends to bring out the best, the loudest of opposing fans wherever the Blue Devils go. How many coaches of any Division I team, any conference, any level, how many would take their team into their first road environment and conference play in most cases of their entire careers, Vernon Carey Jr. and those other freshmen, how many would do so against a Virginia Tech team way better than expected and Castle Coliseum, as you know, being a Virginia native, always gets jacked up when the Duke Blue Devils come to town. How many would take their best NBA prospect off the court for tactical reasons because he thought that was the best chance to beat you? Duke was the answer to that question. Mike Krzyzewski is the answer to that question. And there are not many more correct answers to that question. Motley Crue knows what Duke's game plan was because Duke is going to beat a lot of opponents with Vernon Carey, aren't they? Vernon Carey Jr. is going to be All-ACC. Vernon Carey Jr. is going to be an All-American candidate. Vernon Carey Jr. is already with Trey Jones, one of Duke's two best players, like Cole Anthony, not just good right out of high school, really good right out of high school. Vernon Carey Jr. is one of the most promising young big men in all of college basketball. And yet, when Mike Krzyzewski contemplated the matchup against the Hokies, when he contemplated the reality, there's no more Kerry Blackshear in Blacksburg. He's playing for the Florida Gators nowadays. Mike Young has a bunch of three-point shooters. He doesn't really have a quality traditional post presence. So what do you, Duke, do with your six foot ten, two hundred and seventy-pound oak tree of a freshman center when Logic tells you, how can you take your NBA lottery pick off the court in that environment against a better-than-expected opponent and win or expect to win your first conference game of the season? Mike Krzyzewski could have tried that with more of Vernon Carey Jr., but as Motley Crue will remind you, Mike Krzyzewski knew that the Blue Devils could get that done without Vernon, without me, and yes, without you. How does that conversation go in any other college basketball locker room, Darren? What prep All-American trusts his coach enough, knowing that he's the best prospect in, the, in NBA parlance on the team by a lot, knowing that he'll be the number one reason that Duke makes a run at first place in the ACC or another Final Four or another national championship? What coach-player relationship can sustain the idea? Yeah, Vernon, we all know how good you are, but under this narrow set of circumstances against this particular team, even though you're our starting center and our lottery pick prospect, and every NBA scout would tell you that as much as Trey Jones helps the Devils win a lot of college basketball games as a brilliant college point guard, NBA folks will give Trey Jones a chance at the next level but he's probably not going to be a lottery pick. How many other coaches, how many other teams are going to go there and try to win without you, Vernon Carey Jr.? It's not a long list. The list may be one. Vernon Carey Jr. played 15 minutes in Blacksburg. What other team takes its best player off the court because matchups? 
Most college coaches would be waiting to hear the angry, screaming fan base telling them how stupid they were that they left their best NBA prospect on the bench for 25 minutes. Coach K's not wired that way. Coach K played the dudes that he thought gave Duke the best chance to win, and as is usually the case, Coach K was right. Do you know what happened when Vernon Carey Jr. started that game and played much of the first half? Do you know what the halftime score was? Virginia Tech 41, Duke 38. Coach K ain't afraid about of what anybody thinks about anything, and he shouldn't when it comes to his area of expertise. Doesn't matter how unconventional it is. Imagine the conversation. Dudes, we're going to be sitting Vernon Carey Jr. for much of the second half. We're trailing by three against a smaller team that likes to shoot three-pointers. And even though Vernon is that good and will be an all-ACC player for us and maybe even an all-American, we're going to get this win in the second half, Vernon Carey Jr., mostly without you. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. Just as poison threw Tony Bennett at UVA, gave the Cavaliers something to believe in. Just as Mike Krzyzewski channeled his inner motley crew by telling Vernon Carey Jr., we're going to beat the Hokies even without you, young man. Def Leppard was a reminder of how Danny Manning and the Demon Deacons feel right now and how Roy Williams and the North Carolina Tar Heels feel right now. Because, Darren, I don't know if this would have been one of the three or four Def Leppard songs that you would have had in your wheelhouse. F-f-f-fooling, is that one on there somewhere? Rock of Ages? <laughs> how about a little photograph? Do you have that one in your Def Leppard archives? Because one of their original ones, and wouldn't this have been either playing in the Wake Forest locker room as – those players probably realize by now it's going to be yet another difficult season under Danny Manning. That's been an alarming trend for Wake Forest basketball fans to the tune of many of them calling for Danny Manning's head on a platter. And what about the bus ride home from Charlottesville? Might they have cranked up the inimitable Def Leppard song, Bringing on the Heartbreak? Bring on the heartbreak. I think so. Because the Tar Heels are not used to being 6-3, and three, folks. The Demon Deacons, while used to being toward the bottom of the ACC standings, doesn't make it taste any better, does it? I don't know if that made them feel better on the long bus ride home from Charlottesville, but here's the reality for Carolina. They might be dealing with a lot more heartbreak this year than they have for most of the Roy Williams tenure in Chapel Hill. And it really just boils down to horses. What do I mean by that? Roy Williams at times has had seven or eight future NBA players on his roster. If he had that this year and he said, I'm still trying to find the right buttons, you know what smart people would do? Nod their head in agreement with Roy Williams and say, of course, you're a Hall of Fame coach. You have, you know, a half a dozen or more future NBA players. Of course, you're going to find the right buttons. There were even years where Roy Williams ended up leading the Tar Heels to the national championship when at midseason, they hadn't tightened the screws defensively yet, or the role players weren't as reliable as you need them to be yet. But by February, by March, by April, Roy Williams had that rotation rounded out, 
and it was the typical Carolina year. The guy wins the ACC regular season title like half the time. He goes to Final Fours regularly. He's got three NCAA championship rings. It is a different feeling when you're on that long bus ride home. It's not embarrassing to lose to UVA at JPJ. That's not the alarming part of the equation. Most teams lose to the modern-day UVA Cavaliers under Tony Bennett when they visit John Paul Jones Arena. The Def Leppard aspect of this equation is that you're bringing on the heartbreak in the broader sense. You're 0-1 on that trip to Charlottesville. Shrug your shoulders. Where are the answers coming from? Cole Anthony, yes. Garrison Brooks, yes. Armando Baycott, probably. Where beyond that? Maybe an improved down-the-stretch veteran guard Brandon Robinson. Maybe one of the two transfers or both major college transfers deals with the adjustment to ACC caliber basketball better. But in that Wake Forest locker room after getting beaten again by State on that bus ride home for the Tar Heels, there's a whole lot of heartbreak because whatever you think of Danny Manning or Roy Williams, there just aren't enough horses to get where you want to go. In, in Wake's case, that might only be fighting for an NCAA tournament bid. In Carolina's case, of course, the bar is always set higher. The heartbreak is not losing this weekend or losing at UVA. The heartbreak is that there aren't enough buttons for Danny Manning or Roy Williams to find to avoid the heartbreak. 1-800-849-2761. Will that get us free tickets to next year's Motley Crew? D Darren, will you slice that? Send it to all three bands? Maybe we'll get like VIP back paid, uh, backstage passes. What do you think? We have a shot? I think we have a shot. All right, maybe if they're college basketball fans, they'll appreciate all <laughs> the all the analogies. Are. All right, to your phone calls on the other side to Luke Hancock in about 10 minutes on college basketball, 1-800-849-2761. Wolfpack versus the NCAA questions and answers. We've had a lot today. We have given a lot today. You can be next with your question or comment. NFL, college football, NBA, NHL, college hoops, of course, and more. All fair game for your questions or comments on the other side. 1-800-849-2761 is how you can join us on the David Glenn Show. I made a reference to Mike Krzyzewski of Duke and his GOAT status. And I kid you not, I got angry emails. If I really wanted to insult somebody, I would include some kind of sentence about being in the bleeping prairie chewing on grass. This is The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to The David Glenn Show. Our next guest took a walk on the wild side at the 2013 Final Four. He ended up being the first guy ever to come off the bench and earn most outstanding player honors at that Final Four as his Louisville Cardinals won the national championship. Nowadays, he's an outstanding college basketball analyst for ESPN and the ACC Network when he's not helping people make a lot of money as a financial advisor. Luke Hancock, welcome to the David Glenn Show. How are you? I'm doing great. I, I got to say that was one heck of an intro right there. How are you guys doing? We're, we're doing great. I am curious, and I just tend to ask personal questions. You're always welcome to deflect if you're uncomfortable. How much do you believe a national championship and that most outstanding player status helps you over these last six years as you build a broadcasting career, it's easier for us to see the benefits. But also as you add, you know, clients as a financial advisor, I imagine that it can't hurt, especially if you run into somebody who's a college basketball fan. It's an interesting dynamic, actually. Uh, 
it does help you get in touch with people. Obviously, they want they want to talk about their story, especially in Louisville. Everybody has a story about who they were with or what they were doing during the championship run. But you kind of get tested as a as an athlete. They want to know um, if you really know your stuff. Yeah. And so you get you get a lot of questions. They like to dive into the details, which I actually really enjoy. Uh, but it has opened some doors for sure. One last thing about you: you're a basketball lifer. Would you describe how you felt at that Final Four, like in terms of how shooters sometimes will say, there was that stretch where I just felt like every time it left my fingertips it was going to go in. Did you have like a a magical moment where the best you've ever felt was on the biggest stage of all? You know, it's it's an interesting feeling. We were kind of in panic mode, really. Spike Albright and Michigan were just going crazy hitting shots. And – you know, the, the how it all broke down in the game is so interesting because Kevin Ware breaks his leg earlier on in that tournament that I know everybody yeah. saw. And so I'm on the other side of the floor. If he's healthy, if that doesn't happen to him, I probably don't get those opportunities. But it was one of those moments where if I was crossing half court, I probably would have shot the next one regardless of where <laughs> I was. You, uh, you get hot and then, you know, those heat checks go in. He's in range when he gets off the bus. Luke Hancock is joining us on the David Glenn Show. He has a creative Twitter handle. It's Luke Skywalker 11. Luke Skywalker with an A at the end and then the number 11. Maybe he can be your financial advisor. Uh, You certainly can cheer for him as a college basketball player back in the day or a college basketball analyst nowadays with ESPN and the ACC Network. There are five ACC teams in the top 25. Louisville 1, Duke 7, UVA, UNC, and Florida State a little further down the list. If you were asked how many ACC teams you put – you know, on some broader list of, of national title contenders. I know it's only mid-December. Is it just Louisville and Duke, or would your list from the ACC be longer than that? Honestly, I think it's just Louisville and Duke. I think they have the depth and the talent to get it done. When you look at teams like Virginia or Carolina, you know, you saw in the Virginia game this week, if Cole Anthony is not playing at a very high level, if the defense finds a way to take him out of the game, how is Carolina going to score yeah. a point? And I don't see it happening. Uh, they don't get out and transition the way Roy's teams have in the past. Virginia is a great defensive team. Tony Bennett has a system that is just proven. He is plugging place on the defensive end. The problem is that mover blocker system on offense, they are not moving the ball well enough to really get good shots. They did it better against UNC. Kihei Clark was really good getting in the paint in that second half and finding shooters. Well, the 10 side's got to pick it up. Uh, they're kind of on the cusp for me, yeah. but I don't think they have enough scoring to get it done. Um, Florida State, you know, they lost so much off last season. Trent Forrest, the only real production returning. He brings in some transfers. It's kind of a different team for Leonard Hamilton. I think they are long, athletic, and I think they will be a really good team. I know they're right around 15 now, but I'm not quite sure they have enough veteran leadership to be a national championship contender. Now, they can be a really good team, and they could make a run in the tournament. But when I think about who could potentially be in Atlanta holding up the trophies, I look at Louisville and I look at Duke. Luke Hancock joining us on the David Glenn Show. It is exam week for a lot of universities, so there's not as many college hoops action until the coming weekend. But the exceptions include tonight – 
Anyone who wants to look at number one in the rankings, Louisville, the Cardinals are 9-0 for Coach Chris Mack. They get Texas Tech, which is only off to a 5-3 and three start, but obviously has become a really good program and a Final Four participant just last year. That is tonight, 7 o'clock on ESPN proper. It's actually the Jimmy V Classic, so another part of this uh, week-plus-long stretch of events uh, associated with ESPN and our late great friend from NC State, Jim Valvano. Luke Hancock is joining us here on the David Glenn Show. When you think of exam break or just, you know, how your Louisville National Championship team evolved six years ago or five years ago when you won the National Championship, what's going on in these locker rooms right now, Luke? Like, what, what, what are the things that have to get better between mid-December to, say, the ACC tournament in March? We can all see talent levels and who has NBA players and sometimes who has college All-Americans, but what are those other things happening in practice every day or with team chemistry that in your experience end up mattering, you know, in ways that maybe are not quite as obvious to us on the outside. Yeah, I've actually heard a couple coaches this week talk about how much fun it is that they can just focus on ball. As a player, you know, I, I played for Rick Pitino, kind of a known as a tougher coach, and these were not the most fun days when you got two-a-days every single day and coach has nothing going on. There aren't as many uh, minute restrictions as far as you being on the floor. It was uh, – it was a time for your team to really get better and for your team to come together because you think about it during, you know, Thanksgiving break and Christmas break, there aren't any other kids on campus. And so you're hanging out with your teammates, you're spending time in the gym and then going back and recovering for the next practice. And those moments just bring you so much closer together. You can really work on your execution. Um, coaches can put in more plays. It's not so much scouting and focusing on other teams. It's what can you do to be better um, and I think, you know, this is when your team should be in pretty good shape by now. And so physical, physicality-wise, you should be there. Now it's time to work on the X's and O's. How crisp can you make your offense really get in the gym and shoot a lot of shots um, and figure out where your shots are going to come from as a player? You know, I'm, I, I was a shooter back in the day. Now I feel like I can barely move. Yeah. Uh, where you get those shots, you know, you're starting to pinpoint, all right, I, you know, I've, I've been through enough games now. I know I'm going to get – you know, the one more pass to the corner. I know I've got to be good off the bounce, getting in the lane and pulling up for a jump shot. If you're a big guy, you kind of know. I've, I've got the ability to back down, go over both shoulders, finish off the glass. You know, you're really keying in on where your shots are coming from at this point. Luke Hancock of ESPN joining us on the David Glenn Show, former Louisville star, now with the ACC Network as well. When I look at, say, the Ken Palm efficiency rankings, a lot of the top teams are being led by Hall of Fame coaches, you know, Mike Krzyzewski or a Bill Self at Kansas, Tom Izzo at Michigan State, John Calipari at Kentucky, even a Mark Few at Gonzaga, we know really, really well. We're certainly aware of the Chris Mack story from Xavier to Louisville, but I wonder for you as someone based in Louisville and a former Cardinals player who has seen, you know, the evolution from national championship under Rick Pitino to the brief David Padgett era, uh, what has impressed you most about these last two years of Chris Mack? Because I think a lot of folks described last year as an, an overachievement just getting to the NCAA tournament. And right now, I mean, they're number one in the nation, and it feels to me like they're playing about as well as anybody in the entire country. And that sounds hard to accomplish in less than two years as the Cardinals head coach. Absolutely. I've been blown away uh, by Chris Mack and just his confidence. Uh, my wife and I are up here in New York, actually, for the Jimmy V cool. uh, Classic. 
And so we just we just went to shoot around, and as Texas Tech was leaving, Louisville was coming on the floor. You know, people may not know the story quite as well as those other names with Chris Mack, but he's been there. He's done that. He's had a number one seed at Xavier. He's had a great recruiting class come in here, and he's got these guys. What I take away from Chris Mack is this swagger. You know, he had the starter jacket at Louisville Live coming out of the tunnel with the smoke, and, and just recruits have just gravitated toward him, towards him, and his players have bought in. They are walking around with a certain swagger, knowing that they're number one in the country. He has a real level of toughness about him that I think his players exude as well. Uh, for example, we were walking into so our walkthrough today, and something's not right. I, I can't remember if it was a speaker or, or uh, uh, like a whiteboard he's trying to draw up a play, and he's really getting after you know the guy setting stuff up that we have a certain way to mm. do things. And I won't I won't repeat. I can't quote exactly what he said, <laughs> but he was he was very fired up that. You know, we, we have a system. We know what we're doing. X, Y, and Z has to be done because we're going to go out there and compete. And watching the shoot-around today, man, those guys are fired up. They're having a ton of fun, but there is, um, there's a priority on execution and taking care of the little things. They're talking. They're communicating. You know, the word we always hear is culture, right? They have a culture built already in two years, which I think is just incredible. It starts with Jordan Wara. They've got a ton of great players, but he is a leader. He's a talker. He's a guy that, that plays with a certain level of intensity. And as I said, Chris Mack carries himself with a lot of swagger. Jordan Wara, that guy knows he's one of the best players in the country, and he's going to come out and prove it every single night. Last thing for Luke Hancock joining us on the David Glenn Show. We've seen two different teams led by one and Duns win the national championship. One at Kentucky years ago, one at Duke not too, too long ago. When I think of the bigger picture, Luke, you know, the ideal combination of, of course, talent, but also experience and depth, Louisville has, what, four seniors in its eight-man rotation, three juniors. So that's seven out of your top eight uh, are, are, you know, have been around the block in college basketball. I think there's even a, a fifth-year guy or two mixed in there we got to see a Dwayne Sutton at UNC Asheville before him doing really great things as kind of a glue guy for the Cardinals what do you make of that combination because some of the other more talented teams and even Duke here in our backyard they've got to they've got to worry about the evolution of new guys right and how they're handling things for the first time it feels like talent plus experience plus depth Eight-man rotation with seven juniors and seniors, that sounds ideal. Absolutely. I, I mean, you said it. I think this is the best mix and recipe for you to be able to make a long run in March. That's why I think Louisville is the best team in the country. There, there are other great teams. I think Duke has a lot of pieces to the puzzle. You mentioned some young guys with a little bit of veteran leadership. The last time they had a Jones running point guard, 2015, and did very well for Duke, obviously. Uh, but I think Louisville has the pieces to the puzzle. And you think when you can combine the young talent, like I said, with guys like Jordan Morrow, who's a junior, Stephen Enoch, who's a transfer, yeah. who's had to sit out here to really develop. Malik Williams is older. Uh, Darius Perry is starting to play like a veteran guard now. But you pair that with guys like Sam Williamson and David Johnson in the backcourt, and I think that's what makes the team electric. These guys, I mean, they have two. When, when you think about practice, right? They're going five-on-five. Five. How competitive can it be? Most teams have seven or eight guys yeah. that can really play at that level. Louisville has 11 or 12 guys. They've got some young guys that will need time to develop, but they have 10 solid that can really contribute right now. You talked about Fresh Kimball being one of those 50-year guys. 
that just adds that extra piece of veteran leadership, and he wants to win as well. They didn't have quite as much success at St. Joe's. These guys want to make a tournament run. And when I look at the pieces to the puzzle, how it all blends together, they've got a ton of defensive effort. A guy like Dwayne Sutton has no problem at all being a 2.4.15 rebound guy and guarding the other team's best player. Think about last game against Michigan. Livers averaging almost 18 points a game in that incredible run Michigan was on in Atlanta. Dwayne Sutton has maybe two, four points in that game. I can't remember exactly which one, but has 12 rebounds and absolutely locks up Livers, and he was the difference maker in that game. I was a little worried early. I thought the question marks would be in the backcourt for Louisville. Darius Perry has answered those questions so far this year. He's been electric. He pushes the ball in transition. Uh, The guy is great as far as assist-to-turnover ratio. I think his first game, he might have had nine assists and one turnover. That's what you need when you have all the pieces to the puzzle. That adds up to the number one ranked Louisville Cardinals 9-0 and as they take on the Red Raiders of Texas Tech tonight in New York City. Luke Hancock is there at the Jimmy V Classic. It is a 7 o'clock or so tip on ESPN proper. Luke, thanks very much for this visit, man. I've enjoyed being on your show out in uh, the Commonwealth, and I appreciate your time here on the David Glenn Show. Thank you very much. We'll get you back on soon. I want to say, since you guys are from Carolina, That Luke Skywalker Twitter handle, Instagram handle, is actually David Skywalker Thompson. No. Oh, oh, in in honor of. It's your handle, but in honor of David Thompson. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that guy, you know, Michael Jordan is described one way internationally, and I don't know how much time you've spent here in the Carolinas, Luke, but for Carolinians, David Thompson, NC State legend, has that kind of Michael Jordan level Skywalker, of course, being the nickname, but uh, given his accomplishments as a college basketball player and in the pros, uh, he's kind of revered around here in different ways. So uh, hat, hat tip and hashtag respect to you for sort of carrying on that tradition. Thank you very much. I'm from Roanoke, Virginia, so not too far away. I'm loving all the biggest names in the ACC. So. Excellent. Thanks Folks who again. want to follow, it's at Luke Skywalker. And then the number 11 at Luke Skywalk uh, with an A. And then the number 11. Good stuff from the 2013 Final Four Most Outstanding Player from the Louisville Cardinals, the sharpshooter, Luke Hancock, now with ESPN and the ACC Network. Last call for phone calls is on the other side, 1-800-849-2761. The NFL, college football, college hoops, the NBA, the NHL. Torrey Holt's going into the Hall of Fame tonight. NC State has its hands full with NCAA allegations and posted just yesterday a 66-page response fighting some of those allegations. Last call for phone calls on the other side 1-800-849-2761 we're glad you're with us on the david glenn show dean in wilmington you're up on the david glenn show the ncaa book on violations to say sick superman has trouble carrying this is true however it's not buried into the small print in the back that you're not allowed to drive luxury cars that aren't yours okay <laughs> keep it here on the david glenn show Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Last call for phone calls. Grant and Greenville has college hoops on his mind. Grant, welcome to the program. Go right ahead. Thank you, Dave. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. Good to have you with us. Good. I appreciate uh, your show very much and uh, your statements on social issues and political concerns and uh, appreciate the way you do all that stuff. Thank you, man. Good job. Appreciate it. I called about UNC basketball. I started 
being a UNC fan under my dad's influence back in the 60s. Uh, first people I remember, Bob Lewis, Larry Miller, and people like that. They went on to Bob McAdoo and those folks, and then, of course, Jordan and all that. And watching the Tar Heels this year, it's just been painful. And I, had, I just had this thought. I wanted to get your thoughts on yeah. it. Yeah, mostly, I know they don't have the, all the horses that you were saying earlier that they've had. But for the most part, I'd say at least the top ten guys are five- and four-star high school players. And they just can't shoot. Uh, just <laughs> back to me. Yeah. Uh, can't shoot foul shots. They can't shoot jump shots. Sometimes they can't shoot layups. And I don't know if it's uh, – it seems to be kind of widespread across college basketball to some extent. But UNC, I just can't figure out how you can have that many good players been playing since they were little kids, almost all of them. And they, they, they just shoot all these clunkers. And, yeah. Uh, there's a few, you know. What's your thoughts are on how yeah. many, I can have that many bad shooters on one team? You probably know the deal. Number one, just because you're a prep All-American or high in the recruiting rankings does not automatically mean that you're a shooter. Those are two very different things, and sometimes they come in the same person. But I would say more often than not, uh, shooting is is a specialty. And a lot of prep All-Americans are not great shooters, you know, either free throws, three-pointer, or otherwise. I do think that our good old friend, Darren, is it Occam's razor? The most obvious answer is the right one. It is a lack of horses, right? When Hubert, pick your favorite UNC sharpshooter of over the years, you know. I mean, Wayne Ellington, Hubert Davis, uh, in recent years, Kenny Williams at times was a good three-point shooter. Uh, Kobe White was a good three-point shooter. This year's team, uh, Luke May, was a good three-point shooter at times. This year's team has very few guys of reputation who are three-point shooters, right? Andrew Playtech was theoretically that. He just hasn't been that at the ACC level. Christian Keeling was that at a lower-level school, but hasn't been able to duplicate that at the ACC level. Brandon Robinson was a good three-point shooter last year, but now in more important games with more minutes and after an injury to start, he hasn't been shooting very well. So it's a lack of shooters. It's a lack of chemistry. It's not getting as many open shots. The Heels are shooting 40% from the field, and that's about as bad as it gets in all these years under Roy Williams. We're back after this. Mike Krzyzewski joining us. We asked folks you work with at Duke if you've changed or mellowed over the years. Well, you know, mellow is having a glass of wine and looking over, you know, the sunset, you know. <laughs> uh, I don't see how you can be mellow and coach a game. That can't happen. If it does, then you shouldn't be coaching. Keep it here on the David Glenn Show. We are coming down the stretch on today's program. And down the stretch they come. Thanks to Will Brinson and Luke Hancock for dropping by. Tonight, Canes on the road, Hornets at home, college basketball, and much more. Enjoy the games. We'll see you tomorrow on the David Glenn Show. Mr. President, Barack Obama, welcome to the David Glenn Show. How are you? David, it's great to be on. It's wonderful to, to talk to the folks in North Carolina. I always say uh, I love the state of North Carolina, love the people of North Carolina. Even the folks who don't support me down there are nice to me. The David Glenn Show.